Africa Calling, a bi-monthly podcast with sound-rich reports from our correspondents on the continent. African Voices reporting on African stories produced by Radio France International. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of the Africa Calling Podcast on January 21st. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. Hear that? It's the Africa Cup of Nations Tournament, or AFCON, in Cameroon. Today's podcast focuses on the latest from our correspondents who are in Cameroon to give you news and views on Africa's premier football tournament. In this episode, RFI sports journalist Paul Myers gives us an overview of scores and a bit of gossip on AFCON and what we should expect next. Our Gambia correspondent is in Limbe, Cameroon, to give us the news on Gambia's Scorpions team. It's the first time they've qualified for AFCON. From Buya, the capital of Cameroon's southwest region, we have a report on how taxi drivers, who are shuttling fans and teams from Buya to Limbe for the matches, are caught in the crossfire. And finally, don't forget our special song at the end. The Africa Cup of Nations football tournament is being played in Cameroon this year. They're down to the last 16 teams. There's been some surprise winners and crushing defeats, too. Riding in on the theme tune of AFCON, Paul Myers, RFI's very own sports writer, sent in this report from Garua. We Stand for Africa is a bouncy five-minute ditty with contributions from dozens of African musicians. The song highlights Pan-African peace, love and unity. But the tunes of little relevance to the eight teams who are heading home after the group stages. Ghana and the defending champions Algeria were among the most notable early failures. Algeria couldn't get their act together in Group E and Ghana were sent home from Group C after a loss to Morocco, a draw with Gabon and then a 3-2 defeat to Comoros who were appearing at the tournament for the first time. Ghana striker Jordan Ayew. Oh, it's simple. We're, we're not good enough and we need to learn from this. Uh, we have a very, very young group, a lot of new players, so I think it will serve them a lesson. So we all need to step up and uh, I think uh, if you don't learn from this, then I don't know, because this is a, is a big wake-up call for everyone. One of the fans outside the stadium in Garua was less measured. Look up who are determined, look up players in the league who are determined to die for the country. We have never seen anything like this. Comoros to score Ghana, it has never happened and it is something bad. We are not happy at all. We are not happy with the coach, we are not happy with the management, we are not happy with the players. We didn't do well at all. You think the coach should go? You're the coach who go. He's, a, he's only a, been there since September. The coach has lost it. He have to leave. He has lost it. He can't think. He can't do nothing. So, no Ghana in the knockout stages for the first time in eight tournaments. But many of the usual suspects feature in the last 16, such as Senegal, Morocco and Egypt. 
hosts Cameroon are also there, along with Nigeria. Since arriving in Cameroon, the Super Eagles have been super, and that's a surprise. Long-time coach Gernot Rohr was sacked in the run-up to the tournament. Technical director Augustine Egwavoen took over as interim boss. And he steered the side to the last 16 with the kudos of being the only team to have won all their games in the group stages. But the former Nigeria international says he'll keep his squad calm. A lot of people felt or thought that Nigeria is not good enough to win a tournament. Simple reason, because of our performance in the past few months. That's why people are trying to write Nigeria off. From the first game, nobody gave us a chance. We came and we did the job collectively. Again, I will not stop praising the players because、um, to them to express themselves, be committed. You don't have any other country to play for. It's only Nigeria, and we know how passionate our people are when it comes to football. Yeah, going to the next、um, round of 16, same approach, same system, same aggression, and we're going to train more on penalties. Yes, penalties. From the last 16, there'll be a penalty shootout if it's all square between the sides after extra time. Losing in those circumstances might well dampen your spirits, or it might be the start of another big party. And now, Paul joins me from Garua, where he's been in the midst of things up there. Hi, Paul. Hi, Laura Angela. Well, Paul, that's the sounds of the Nigerian fans. They will be out in force when Nigeria play Tunisia in the last 16. How do you think that game will go? It's going to be very, very interesting、uh, because Nigeria are suddenly the new favourites.、Uh, they didn't really come into the competition with much expectation because of all that happened、uh, in the run-up to the tournament. But they're the only team to get into the last 16, having won all their games, and so suddenly there's a lot of pressure on them. All their fans are thinking that they are going to win, and they're going to be coming from Nigeria because up here in Garua, we're not that far from、uh, the border with Nigeria. So essentially, this is going to be a home match for them <laughs> because that's. Really, the only way I can see how they got all those、uh, trombones and trumpets through, and I've got to say, with the home support, with the fact that there's a lot of dynamism with this new coach,、uh, Augustine Egwavoen, he's got them believing that they can play in the Nigerian way, which was the problem with the previous coach, Gernot Raw, who brought in discipline. And being ordered, and、um, it was rather joyless.、Um, Tunisia they scraped into the last sixteen as one of the four best third place teams. You can't really write them off simply because it's the last sixteen, and anything can happen. You're up in Garoua. What has the atmosphere been like there? It's been wonderful because obviously when the When Nigeria are playing, it's essentially family. So even Cameroonians who go to watch are partisan.、Uh, the city has been bubbling every time there's a match, and you know there is a, a certain amount of discipline because police and soldiers are travelling around to make sure that there are no problems. But it's been very friendly. It's been very open. There hasn't been any menace at all during、uh, the run-up to the matches. Everyone has just been enjoying the chance 
to see the games. But of course, there is a huge disappointment that Cameroon aren't going to be here because the star of the show for Cameroon so far, Vince Vincent Aboubakar, is a local Garua boy. Ah. Um, he's having a, a big house built just around the corner from uh, where we're staying at the hotel. And he's a local hero. So you could just imagine what that would be like if Cameroon were playing here and um, Vincent was coming home. What are your predictions for the games that are, that are about to be played? Well, they're going to start up on Sunday. Uh, last 16, they'll go through it uh, quite rapidly. We've got uh, Burkina Faso, who are going to be taking on Gabon in Limbe. It's at 50-50. Uh, no one will be a favourite in that one. Of course, I've got to say that uh, Cameroon are going to beat Comoros on the uh, 24th at uh, Limbe. Home crowd, Vincent Aboubacar, top scorer so far. Uh, five goals. And Comoros, they're making their first appearance at the tournament. They've done brilliantly to get through, of course, with that 3-2 win over Ghana being the historic moment. Mm. <laughs> they're going to be the underdogs. Again, they've got nothing to lose. And we've got another team, Gambia, who are making their first appearance. Um, they're going to be up against Guinea. Guinea are quite savvy operators. They've been at this stage before. And and at a point, this really does count that the players know what to do in moments like this. Gambia, again, why not? If you can beat Tunisia 1-0 with the last kick of the game, you can beat Guinea. Senegal runs up uh, in 2019. Aliou Cisse's men came in as the tournament favourites. They haven't played that well, but I think they should be too strong for Cap there. Morocco, Malawi, again, Malawi last played at the Cup of Nations in 2010. Morocco should be too strong for them. And um, then the, one of the blockbusters of the last 16, Cote d'Ivoire against Egypt. Mm. Egypt have been abject, scraping um, <laughs> 1-0. <laughs> and of course, so much expected of them two years ago in uh, Cairo, where they were playing in front of fanatical home crowds. And in the days when we didn't have COVID restrictions, that was just a sweaty mass of people all trying to get in to watch Mo Salah and the boys. And um, it didn't work out for them there. I fancy them to go through against Cote d'Ivoire because at a certain point, Egypt have got to play well. Um, they just can't keep being as bad as they've been. And then, of course, Cote d'Ivoire, they'll be so hysterical after thrashing Algeria, the defending champions. Patrice Bromel says, yeah, if we can play collectively, we've got a chance. Whether they can do that again against Egypt, that's to be seen. But I fancy Egypt in that one. Mali, Equatorial Guinea, again, too close to call. It just see who comes out um, playing well on the day. That was Paul Myers on the line from Garoua. Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International. In Limbe, the Gambia, participating in its first African Cup of Nations, continues its surprising adventure in the tournament by finishing in their Group F first round with a flourish, coming in second. Abdouli Jallo's stoppage time goal sent the Scorpions through to the round of 16, following a 1-0 win over Tunisia in Limbe on Thursday. Correspondent Sally Jang has been following the team in Cameroon and has this report. That was the reaction of the Gambia Scorpions and officials when their spot in the African Cup of Nations round of 16 was confirmed even before playing in their last group game last night. 
Here at the stadium, this team of young players has put a new face on Gambian football. Abdullah Jalo, a winger, scored Gambia's first African goal and his late strike in the last group game in the Continent's Football Showcase tournament was enough for the Scorpions to proceed to the next stage with seven points. Jalo plays for Shiran, Belgium's first division club from Mets, a legal club. He says this is a new beginning of Gambia's football history. So happy to score once again. This is, it is an important goal for me and for the team because we need to win this game. Even though we are qualified, but this game is important for us for the next round. One of the main highlights of the Gambian team is the sensational Musa Barrow, considered as Gambia's deadliest forward. Barrow's early goal attempt for the Scorpion shot rattle and crossbar sending shivers in the Tunisian camp. His current stats of one goal and two assists in the tournament is showing the world what the Scorpions are made of. Speaking to Africa Calling, Barrow says he is living his dream with the team. We are, we are ready, you know. We play as a team, we defend as a team, you know. So people say we are underdogs, so we accept it. We stay humble, but in modern football, there is no underdog. It depends how we play, you know, how you deliver on the pitch. So we are happy that we are, we are doing good in the pitch. So we still, still we stay humble and look towards the, the next game, you know, opponent. So we are very happy right now, very, very happy. Fans here at the stands, painted in Gambia's color of green, blue, red and white, have been waiting for over five decades for their first Afghan experience. Scorpion fans, who have been cheering on their team in Cameroon, include Iliman Chane, one of the longest serving Scorpion supporters. Shortly after the final whistle, he was seen shedding tears when asked, Jane says he never thought he would have witnessed Gambia qualifying for Afghan. Le content de Brere, le Simon. All my life, I've been following the team. We had so many great players who tried their best but couldn't get us to the AFCON. Some are alive and some are dead. I know they would have wished to witness this day, but God's decisions are fine. And that's why I felt so emotional. I, I wish we could have all come to Cameroon to cheer the boys. Amber, another fan, says that even if the Scorpions' journey ends at the second round, she has something to be proud of and will always remember this massive achievement registered by her generation. Um, I feel so happy and proud to be here, but at the same time, I'm flabbergasted that the boys are doing well because I wasn't expecting this at all. I just hope that it continues like this, but even if it ends here, I'm still proud of them. Um, I just hope it continues because I want them to win the Afghan tournament. The Scorpions' incredible Afghan journey began when they topped Group D during the qualifiers ahead of Gabon last year and upset Democratic Republic of Congo and Angola from qualifying to the Afghan 2021. The journey turned to a historic one when they beat Mauritania, drew Mali to finish second in Group F behind Mali. The Gambia, the second debutants to reach the knockout stage in this tournament after Comoros, are now entering the round of 16. Expectations are high for the Scorpions as fans flock in the hope of seeing them continue to succeed.
And the country, once divided over politics just a few weeks ago, is now rallying together to cheer the theme. Reporting for RFI's Africa calling from Limbe, Cameroon, this is Salijeng. Check us out on Twitter, Africa underscore underscore calling. We're at Africa underscore underscore calling. And on the streets of Buya, the capital of Cameroon's English-speaking southwest region, taxi drivers feel targeted for doing their job transporting people in town. Amidst the Anglophone crisis, they've called for better security, as fighting between the separatists and security forces has ramped up this month. This, as Buya is hosting teams of Group F in the ongoing AFCON tournament in Cameroon. The population of Buya continued to live in uncertainty as the security situation deteriorates among the Africa Cup of Nations festivities. Correspondent Batata Boris Karloff paints a picture of the realities on the ground in this report. People are wailing and crying at the Boya Regional Hospital mortuary. Another taxi driver in Boya is the victim of a gun battle between Cameroon's army and the non-state armed groups. John Musongelitute, the president of one of the taxi driver syndicates in Boya, confirms the incident. We went to the scene and uh, we realized that two persons were already down, dead. One was a taxi driver whom we recognize very well. He's uh, Willy Bobo. That's the nickname. And the uh, correct name is uh, Ngo um, Wilfred. We were not on the scene, so we don't know actually who shot the driver. I cannot independently say I know the person who shot the driver. But what I can say is that the driver was shot and is at the mortuary now. The deafening sounds of gunshots in Sombuya neighborhood was heard earlier this month. Each time there is an attack by separatist fighters, taxi drivers feel targeted. Eben Chu is a taxi driver in the municipality and an executive member of a taxi driver syndicate. How are we going to work to protect uh, this, this sector? Because we are vulnerable to be found. We are vulnerable. We don't know who will be the next person. I'm talking like this. maybe tomorrow we're going to be the next person. We are so angered. <laughs> We are really disturbed when it comes to this, uh, this crisis because for five years now we have been affected seriously, not just a little. But one of the issues that we are feeling, we are feeling so sad is our contributions are not really recognized. We have contributed a lot to make Boya municipality going. You see how Boya is chopped up now because many, many uh, Cameroonians have have come to Boya to drive taxi. I would think that Boya is safe and every day we lost one driver by shooting and bombing and there's no concern. Nobody is talking about it. It's a call for concern. At the start of the Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon, the transport delegation produced a pass to allow taxi drivers to shuttle between Boya and Limbe, dropping off spectators with ease. However, the situation has not gone as planned because taxi drivers are scared of losing their taxis and their lives. Taximan El Musa affirms. Yes, uh, they passed the laissez passer, they are already out. Uh, but now, so many of the drivers have been feared that if you go to Limbe, they might take note of your car, things like that. So the passes are there. Anyone who wishes to take the pass can take and go. <laughs> Taxi drivers meet up to talk among themselves after hearing the news that one of their members was recently shot and killed. The absence of motorcycles in Boya makes taxi the only means of circulation within town. 
If the taxi driver stop working, circulation ground to a halt, and economic activities will shut down. This, the drivers say, is the main reason why they are targeted by separatists. Taximan Chu speaks on behalf of his colleagues. In the context of the crisis, yes, because uh, you know if the taxi driving sector in Boya is touched, Boya will be grounded. I just think that that is why we are being attacked. That's why we are under attack. We are calling on our members to be vigilant and be the first security. And they should learn the way they talk. If they carry their passengers, they should know themselves in anything political. The security situation in Boya is in a dire state due to the anglophone crisis. People walk around in fear and uncertainty as to what the next minute holds. Kingsley Ndip Takang is a Boya city dweller. Fear has engulfed us and um, it makes me sometimes when I move uh, into, into some quarters in Boya and I feel fear in me and the fright is uh, uh, really uh, making me to really think whether this is the Boya we used to live uh, in. What makes me feel threatened um, is Boya has grown to the level that you see new people every minute, every second. And you don't know who is who. And when I see someone I've not seen, I pass a street and I see somebody who passes beside me. For my heart, first of all, beats. The Anglophone crisis started in 2016 as a teacher and lawyer peaceful protest. After a brutal crackdown by security forces, separatists took up arms against the central government. Separatist fighters who enforce mandatory ghost towns consider anyone violating these calls for lockdown as the enemy. Meanwhile, the population of Boya are calling on authorities to step up security. If taxis stop functioning, Boya will be grounded, says Taximan Litute. This crisis has been rolling for over five years now. What we have to say on behalf of the taxi driver, the government to, should have to look for a solution to this problem. Yeah, we know there are security outside there, but they cannot be everywhere. They cannot be everywhere. I've been saying this all the time. So we too, we have to be very careful. We are our own security first. So in case of uh, you realize that a place is insecure, you don't drive there. You don't drive to that particular area. So that's what I have to advise drivers. We have to be very careful. Sound of taxis working on the streets of Boya shows the vibrancy of the town. Unfortunately, not all days are the same. All these are unfolding in a town hosting teams playing football in the ongoing Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon. Reporting for Africa Calling, this is Batata Boris Kalov in Boya. Find us on your favorite podcast platform app, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We're almost at the end of our program. We have music maven Alison Hurd in the studio. Hi, Alison. What do you have for us today? Hi, Laura Angela. Definitely no ballads this week. I think we need some high energy to accompany the football frenzy. So I've turned back the clock and dug out a great piece, I think, of Cameroon funk. It's from Yaoundé, where the Cannes final uh, will be played on the 6th of February. So back in the 70s, there was a big Cameroonian scene in Yaoundé, and the capital was swinging. And 16 songs from that time, but from the underground scene, arguably the best, uh, have recently been released by a German label, Analog Africa, on the album Cameroon Garage Funk. Most of the songs were recorded with just one mic in an Adventist church in the capital by the church sound engineer, a certain Mr. Awono. 
it would seem. Anyway, I, don't, I haven't been able to find out any more about him. So the sound quality by today's standards, of course, is, well, it is what it is. But my goodness, the raw energy just spilling out of this music, for me, it's, it's like the sound equivalent of maybe what football fans feel when they're watching a match in the stadium. I've picked the track Africa Leo, and it's by Jean-Pierre Duca. I hope you like it. Excellent. Well, thanks for listening to episode 10 of Africa Calling, our special on Africa Cup of Nations. We'll leave you with the funky sounds of Jean-Pierre Juca. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. This episode was edited and recorded by Erwan Rome. Goodbye for now. Yeah, 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 yeah.